0: everybody welcome back to the be there in five podcast i'm kate kennedy your host it is wednesday afternoon you know writing the tales of what was a an inspiring morning to say the least here on this snowy chicago day you know i made a hilarious mistake this morning i solicited feedback from people that don't listen to the podcast <laughs> with the intention of asking you know hey, so if you've never listened before, is there a topic that would nudge you in this direction? Because, you know, there's been 100 episodes. It's a lot to catch up with. And it's hard to get get people's share of ear. I was curious if there's like one thing people felt was under underrepresented or they wanted to know more about that perhaps I could tap into to Because I have a lot of like very loyal Instagram followers who are like not listen to the podcast. And I think it's interesting. Granted, they're not for everybody, but it was an innocent question. <laughs> meant to gather some market research. And, you know, I don't know if people misunderstood the question. I don't know if they were just, you know, ready, locked and loaded with this information. But what ended up happening was um, a rousing game of of be there in five reads mean tweets because (laughs) immediately it was like, uh, you need a co-host. You do better with a co-host. You need to bounce off of somebody. I can't listen to your monologue. Your monologue's too long. I hate the intros. I find those off-putting the length is too long. It's too long. I wish it was shorter. Can you shorten it? I like 30 minute podcasts. Could you ever make it 20 minutes? Could you ever just like not doing it all? I hate your personality. I mean, like, truly, it went from (laughs) it's kind of funny. Like, I am so lucky. People are very kind and positive toward me. But I think I never solicited people that feel otherwise. And I didn't mean to. Um, And it was it was interesting. Uh, It's it's a funny thing where, you know, you have your own podcast and the feedback is, yeah, love your podcast. If a lot less you was involved, it's a tough pill to swallow. Now, after the episode Millennial, I felt like we were in a good place, a more empowered place. I've been trying to come into my own in terms of just owning what the show is, what I want it to be, who I am, and having this show align the best I can with uh my values the white space i see and the value i want to be delivering this fundamentally cannot cater to everyone which is fine you know i believe in in attract and repel absolutely um but i think that i had never seen so many comments about having a co-host before and like guys that ship has sailed i'm a hundred episodes in like it- <laughs> And if you think that that wouldn't have been my best case scenario, you're sorely mistaken. Uh, Look at all, I mean, all the shows I love that are so successful of awesome women that are doing great have co-hosts and I'm so proud of them. And I understand why their dynamic works so well. Look at uh, girls got to eat. Ashley and Raina, Grace and Becca, my friends, bad on paper. Uh, Look at big shows. Like my favorite murder guys, we fuck. Look at the morning toast, Jackie and Claudia, their sisters. Like these people have chemistry. They're, they they bounce off each other they work so well and the co-host format is un uh, it's, it's unmatched it's incredible and I would love more than anything else if I could provide you something like that but unfortunately the reason I started the podcast in the first place is because not only did I not have a co-host I didn't have really anybody in my immediate life to talk to any of this about and like still as it stands today two years later like I mean, yeah, I'd love to find somebody who's willing to work, you know, six plus hours with me a week who likes all the same things. who We have chem- like chemistry, conversational banter, uh, diverse viewpoints, all of that stuff. Like, sure, that'd be great. But like, I'm still looking for someone to even like go to brunch with me. So I don't think the former set of criteria is really going to come anytime soon. I just want to manage people's expectations. I welcome the feedback. I really don't want to be a person that can't take it. Do I have the thinnest skin on the planet? You betcha. Am I kind of used to it now, though? Yeah. There's really nothing you could say that I haven't heard before. It just was like a really funny accidental. Um, I don't know. You know, when you do something, you're like, abort, abort. I was like, what? what? It just, it was like people who were already locked, loaded. I wasn't going to delete it. I didn't want to be cowardly. It was almost like, oh, now that I know people have something to say, I'm going to let them say it. I think that's important. And, um, you know, the ones that I thought were funny and mild, I reposted because, again, it was like kind of a funny, mean tweets edition. But there were ones that were way worse. And, you know, take it all with a grain of salt because it's important to acknowledge a vast array of uh, input, positive and negative. They all have merit. It's important to let the positive and the majority The supportive people be much louder even though it's easier for the negative to be louder and i think what's been important for me to learn over time is that it's less that each person is a thread in the fabric of what this is and when they're barely hanging on one snag and the fabric's going to make the whole thing unravel that's how i felt for a really long time uh but i think that i've learned and you've taught me it's something far more solid um, and the power of letting people not like you and letting people go and not trying to convince them otherwise. It's a, it's a waste of time, a waste of energy. And um, anyways, it, it's just been an interesting day. I had to turn off the old notifications. But anyway, one of the uh, positive things about this is peppered in there. Still went through all the answers because I didn't want to miss anything good. There was a comical requests like nothing i love the one thing i love about you guys is you appreciate hyper specific topics as much as i do or things that are almost metaphorical representations of something broader that are very like current or millennial or whatever and somebody said they wanted to talk about like more about home decor like bar carts and i talked about well i pre-posted that because it made me laugh so hard it's so specific but it's kind of a mascot of sorts of 2010's decor and then a lot of you responded back to that being like yes bar cards and I was just like (laughs) it brought such a smile to my face joy to my heart I just I you guys get it you get why that's funny and that's specific and why that's somehow a broader metaphor metaphor That's the exact type of thing I could talk about for far too long. And, you know, in receiving so much uh, concentrated pushback, it, it allowed me to feel a sense of freedom of truly, I can't make these people happy. So let's do the exact opposite. And I'm going to sit here and exercise what you've just inadvertently given me, which is the carte blanche I needed the the freedom to do and say as i please the i believe it literally translates to blank document in french or white document uh, i'm always saying i'm trying to fill white spaces and i know as taylor swift does i like to fill blank spaces and um i was going to do a bunch of different things today but fuck it this is my bar cart blanche and we're just going to talk there there is nothing i want to do more in this cold snowy chicago day where I feel blue than to, you know, pull a Taylor Swift and be painted golden. And by that, I mean, rose golden. And that is because I like to affectionately call the 2010s the rose golden era in my live shows. And while I try not to go over all my material, because I like to save some of it live, you know, what I think is so powerful about our time as millennials in the 2010s about us being you know, in the age where we had more spending power, we started to have salaries, we started to have our own houses, apartments, whatever, throughout the 2010s and the heyday of Pinterest, which was founded in January 2010. I think that, you know, us having to deal with this level of comparison to your average 23 year old mother of five with a stunning, you know, 7,500 square foot starter home um and she's doing all these diy projects and unlike a model or an actress or somebody on hgtv she's allegedly just like us but in the early 2010s we didn't know that how we didn't know all, of, all of the, the 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 smoky eyes and the the the, the mirrored bedside tables god love Z gallery um we didn't we didn't know Yet that aspiration was was available to be lifted later in the 2010s. And we all took to Pinterest and just said, yeah, let's renovate our kitchens. Yeah, we can do this. Young House Love did redid all their electrical wiring, so therefore we should too. And while we're at it, let's make all headboards, all tables, everything we own out of wood pallets. Our new purpose is to repurpose. We just went full adopt, don't shop furniture-wise. And beyond that, you know, sure we've we furnished our homes with some store-bought things from a anthropology to Z Gallery, but I think what was so fascinating too about this period of time, the the the, the bar card era, <laughs> is uh, I've talked before about the you know, 2010s, the 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 point when we graduated from the more old world rich wood. Warmer colors, accent walls, like, you know, we we appreciated some, some fullness, some saturation in our previous home decor. But come 2010s era, uh, w- w- right where austerity intersects with luxury was one thing and one thing only. And that is neutrals. And not just even neutrals. Not even a warm beige or a cool tone gray. You know, I mentioned in the last episode, I felt like uh, a large um, explanation for for the millennials plight of what appears to be uh, restless and aimless is being perpetually, you know, torn between two worlds, growing up, preparing for a world that no longer existed when we came of age. I myself being in a job that didn't exist when I graduated high school, there's there's more opportunity that are forever at odds with our traditional values at times and one of the points I made was uh, other generations are marked by a little bit more um, consistency in values and virtue and I and I know I skipped like totally skipped over generation x and I grouped older people into boomers but I think that I worked with so many boomers and my interactions are primarily with boomers that have been kind of negative as it relates to social media or my current job love you tons gx never meant to forget you um but in my point was kind of in being wedged between uh generations that have a little bit more of a clean cut identifiable explainable persona within themselves into marketers alike where older generations may identify more with Structure, and younger may identify more so with a more hyperbolic woke mentality to me, the uh, the sides of the spectrum are more grounded in in seeing things very black and white. And my point is that millennials bleed gray because of the nature of, you know, really straddling such vastly different technological eras that ultimately shape our careers and purposes that we weren't really prepared for. Because the world changed so quickly. And I want to modify that because you know what I like to do? I like to wear blanket scarves and make blanket statements. And um, in a world of black and white, yes, millennials bleed gray. But after 2010, January 2010, when Pinterest came out, I believe millennials bled grayish and we are the gracious generation. And I do think that the home decor during this period of time. Deserves a podcast. Deserves to be discussed. I do think we need to delve a little bit into mid-century mod, a little into farmhouse, a little bit into bar, court, bar cart culture. Yeah, I, I I don't even know what the hell I'm going to say. I have not. I don't have this organized. I have some of a clip that, from talking about Chip, Chip and JoJo that I have from last week that I'll use. Other than that, let's just shoot the shit. I don't even care. Bar cart launch. Here we go. I'm going to tell you about my experience being deep in 2010s home decor. I've moved countless times, at least seven times, in the from 2010 to 2020, redecorated to match roommates, then to match just myself, then to you know, merge lives with Greg. and you know, men at a certain age, all they have is like black leather furniture, and you know, that's a whole thing in and of itself. And um, we've then had to move, like three or four times since then because our places keep selling, and this is the first place we've been in for more than a year. And um, I just want to tap into the, the version of me that bought $90 hairpin legs off of Etsy, cause God forbid the legs of my TV stand look like they are from after 1960. I I bought when, <laughs> I bought a humongous burlap throw pillow that simply just had the lyrics repeated to the song You Are My Sunshine over and over. It was so scratchy, you couldn't even put your face on it. Hell, I wouldn't even put my foot on it. It was such an itch fest. But I saw The Bachelor's Jillian Harris with a uh, pillow that said, like, my whole heart for my whole life. And there was this huge ass burlap pillow on this gorgeous white couch. And before she met, you know, her fiance, Justin Pasudo, who I was so happy she met because I really do find her to be a doll and to catch. And I knew Ed wasn't right for her. He 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 has a bit of a reputation around Chicago, and uh, I think he's married now, but Jill deserved better. And when she had her, you know, bachelorette pad, if you will, in Kalowna. Wow. I'm talking this from memory and I'm pretty impressed with myself. um, I pretty much saw her opinions on home decor as gospel. I would also say the same for Emily Schumann of Cupcakes and Cashmere. I followed her very closely at the time. Those were my two North stars, if you will. And I'm trying to think of who else had a major influence on me besides the usual suspects of like overall Pinterest, Young House Love, Apartment Therapy. You know, I really thought Z Gallery was my fate. I thought Hollywood Regency like was my vibe. Um, I thank my lucky stars every day that I did not buy that much mirrored furniture. Uh, But a lot of it's still cute. A lot of it still lands but, you know, moreover, I was watching a lot of House Hunters, a lot of property virgins. I don't like the Property Brothers. They give me the creeps. Um, I-, I was watching a lot of Flea Market Flip with Laura Spencer and those stems that she wears with riding boots with no tights and like jean skirts at Brooklyn Flea Markets. I I think I've gotten into Flea Market Flip one too many times on this podcast. Her outfits are a real question mark, but. You know, it's kind of like seeing your teacher at the grocery store and you're like, you're cute. I feel like Laura Spencer looks so newsy on Good Morning America. And then you, you know, get her at a flea market and get her a little Chardonnay and khaki skirt with her hair up in a banana clip. Two stale jumbo dogs, a couple of beers, and she's whistling a different tune. You know, <laughs> I didn't make that up. That was a quote from Andy Anderson and how to lose a guy in 10 days. Anyway, guys, this was a special time for me. I'm just going to reminisce. Like, it's later on Wednesday. It's been a long day. Let's just paint the town grayish. Better lacquered white. I'm sitting amongst a U-shape of four lacquered white desks that I bought off Craigslist in 2014 when a startup folded. When I, mean, I maybe perhaps too gleefully waltzed in when I was starting my own business and I absolutely cleaned them out of all of their fairly modern, mostly IKEA decor, but Honestly, the person who doesn't have to assemble the IKEA furniture is the real winner. I have made a killing off of selling assembled IKEA furniture in the city because here's where economics comes in. IKEA furniture is garbage anywhere. People have cars and they have the, their IKEA facility readily available. Here, a lot of people don't have cars. Nobody wants to drive to Schomburg in the traffic. And moreover, nobody wants to build stuff after they go through that uh, maniac maze with a brief, delightful Swedish meatball intermission only to go to aisle H18 and be told by some guy named Isaac with an adult ponytail and a sock sandal that unfortunately you know they may be out of your item but they do carry it in like candy apple red and like nobody wants that isaac and it's just like a a colossal waste of time and i've had I, I, i don't know i've shed endless tears in an ikea i feel like if you haven't shed endless tears in an ikea have you ever been a millennial on a budget if you've never spent the better part of a weekend inexplicably trying to hack an ikea item into another furniture item that's probably a nominal amount more expensive. It, like I, I, the amount of times I'm like, I am going to make this collax Cube system look like a West Elm Cube system that costs 150 more dollars, and uh, that'll show them. <laughs> they didn't know better. This 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 uh, three piece uh, makeup vanity I made out of Alex drawers and a Linman tabletop could be mistaken for a 400 CB2 number abc home is shaking in their boots like i don't know why why all the high effort for the low cost savings but there really is a thrill in doing it i i've i mean i've had it all i've had the Ektorp sofas i've had the hemnes dressers i, I you know i've never been drawn to a Malm. I, I really do prefer a drawer pull uh and i do prefer that the toddlers in my house you know don't die if they're near any of my bedroom furniture Um, I I, I've had the kitchen aisles. I've had this Billy shelving. I've tried to finagle faux built-ins in my home. The problem is they need you to uh, reinforce everything to the wall, and I'm never going to do that. Honestly, I'm lucky if everything I build doesn't shake. It's for looks, not stability. That's the other thing about millennials too. I I do think I don't know if there's studies or data about this, but like. I really just do buy furniture for the place that I currently live. And yeah, I'm a renter and I'm sure people that have homes and kids feel differently. But like, I don't want anything that's so expensive that I'll die if something happens to it. I don't want to care about a rug or a couch or anything so much that if, you know, one rogue game of heads up and a glass of red wine is going to make it kick the bucket and thus make me lose thousands of dollars and you have years of agony over my one true pride and joy sofa. like. It's just not worth it to me in life. And, you know, my, we had like so many rules in my house growing up because my parents like invested in stuff and they liked their stuff and they have every right to. And I almost think that I've taken the exact opposite where like uh, my stuff could get destroyed and it truly would not matter because everything I own is from Craigslist, let go. Mm, there's a few things from Home Goods, a few things from Wayfair, but. Even like my interior, the interior defined sofa I bought from a guy who buys defective interior defined sofas off a lot. And I got it at a discount like we, we, Greg and I built a bunch of our furniture. It's funny, like we used to really, really, really focus and spend a lot of time like decorating our place. It was kind of a fun hobby we had uh, when and we moved so many times we got so good at it. So I became like a shark at buying and selling furniture on Craigslist, like I, like literally everything I have is is secondhand like my dyson vacuum all of my desks all of my floor mirrors our bed frame our new bed frame is from amazon our old one was from craigslist book and it was this like really expensive like two thousand dollar upholstered Bed frame, and I went to meet the woman who was selling it on Craigslist, and like she deadpan looked me in the eye and she was like, It's just so frustrating. It's the wrong shade of buckwheat. And I was like, Oh God, I am so sorry. Like, (laughs) I was like, I love rich people. I was like, Yeah, it's disgusting. I'll take it. I have no backbone when it comes to anything in my life, but I will negotiate the shit out of a tufted headboard. I, um, I live for Craigslist, and I think it's a little different now. I feel like, in, I, was wheeling and dealing in its heyday and i know people think you only go there for like hand jobs and stuff but honestly it's more often than not people in the you have to click buy owner in the furniture for sale and it's a bunch of people who are about to move within the next three to five days and you have to leverage the fact that the benefit to them is not just the money it's that you're physically moving it out they're selling this stuff because they don't want to move it So you need to deduct the cost of what you think the value is of you moving their shit because they're saving a lot of money by you taking it. Never, ever pay sticker on Craigslist. You, you know, I don't, I don't believe in a low ball, but I do believe you at least go in at half and then they, you know, you, you see how desperate they are. And then you go from there. I've gotten insane deals and honestly, I'm getting excited just talking about it, but I haven't needed furniture in a while. And, you know, at one point, like. The first place Greg and I lived, there was like this place for a fireplace, like a little bit of like a lift in like a brick area where there was like an old fireplace in New York. It's like pre-war. But in Chicago, it's like post-fire. Like we had this like it was like an 1800s townhome that was like post-fire. And um, I was like, oh, God, this is this this is a this is unlivable. We need some sort of mantle of, of some kind to mark off this space properly. And somehow we found a mantle on Craigslist. And it was gorgeous and actually quite prophetic. It was this white mantle that I could lift. It wasn't like marble or anything crazy. It looked perfect in the space. It had two stars in each corner, which twinkle, twinkle. And um, later we figured out that essentially it was a a deal because it was from New Orleans and a looter stole it during Katrina. That is not juju I want in my home. And we uh, quickly it got rid of the mantle i i don't want resale for cheap for the wrong reasons i only want it if it has a story that wants to be told you know what i mean at one point you know this dates me but i was in a corporate housing sit without cable which just will not do i need to be kept company by the noise of like a tv back then i didn't have podcasts now that's what i do i actually barely watch tv now but um back then it was dire and i met a guy at midway at the turnstile the orange line subway stop, for his friend's box set i told greg like when i was on my way there and he was like what like what like what do you want me to like say at your funeral and i was like why i had like just moved here it's not that it's a bad side of town it's just that like he's like it's to lure someone out to the airport on the orange line on the west side with the promise of a full 10 season friends box set is like the perfect crime for a basic gal like you and i was like you know what you're right it was too good of a price but it turned out to be legit and i had a great summer thanks to rachel ross and the gang but anyways neither here nor there i I think i've also told the story on the podcast before how my favorite craigslist memory is that when greg and i first started dating we were really into pub trivia we uh there was a bar that's now closed in Chicago called State and on Tuesdays the prize was $1000 so we kept going and we kept losing and we were like what the hell and we thought we were doing pretty well but we we realized all the people around us people were drafting teams of about 8 where one guy was like really good at history one was good at sports one was good at pop culture one was good at like old movies and whatever so we were like well shit we got to draft a team but we had both just moved here didn't know a ton of people and so Greg put an ad in the gig section of Craigslist <laughs> <laughs> and you know as you you know the thing you say when you know you don't want to set off any red flags he assured people that we were totally normal and um we you know both love to retain useless knowledge and we want this prize of a thousand dollars but we need friends to round out our skill sets and that we were you know wanting to be casual but serious about recruiting a proper team See. I, I'm decent at pop culture, television, music. Uh, he and I both have a weak spot in movies, especially older films. Uh, he's great at, like, sports and science and math and um, dates and stuff. And, like, I am decent at literature, good at U.S. history, not great at world. We, we had a lot of gaping holes in our, in our knowledge set. And we were just looking for, you know, a few Craigslist source cronies to round out our trivia team and to become lifelong BFFs. And uh, I have the screenshot of the ad somewhere. It <laughs> cracks me up to this day. What ended up happening is we like we said we were totally normal and so- social. That we all we needed was a headshot to verify that you weren't creepy or super old. And like weird wording on his part, as if our plea for like a well-educated stranger was normal and not creepy. Long story short, the um only re- we had, I think two respondents and one I had a mutual Facebook friend. And similar to what I should have done this morning when I solicited um you know the reasons you don't like my podcast we aborted the mission and never recruited our well-rounded team in the bar since closes closed and we never got our victory and perhaps that explains my obsession with jeopardy i just it's like i, I until i had this podcast i really struggled to understand my lifelong determination to retain useless information it has come very handy in this podcast but according to today's feedback it is very unwelcome <laughs> By many, just kidding. Anyways, moving further into saying and doing whatever the hell I want, and reminding myself it is my podcast. Let's talk more about millennial decor because this is making me so happy. I I live for all things of the millennial ethos, and I hope even non millennials can appreciate because I don't think this is specific to us. It's just I can only speak to the the generation I am a part of, and what I'm told is the largest demographic of the podcast. But I think that we all, you know, became meredith grage is in her own right during this era (laughs) christian grage if you're a dude uh but back to bar carts more importantly and i think i just want to shoot the shit here because i love a bar cart i love it as much as i love a condescending houseplant i I love bar carts because i love i love any home decor that's used for a reason that makes its primary function obsolete right like the whole point of like a cart is like to be wheeled around like do you guys wheel around your bar carts i'm lit- like i've literally never touched mine uh, to be fair now my printer is on it but i'm I'm going back to a, a simpler time uh, when i had that you know a few corporate money when i was under the guise that i do this wild thing called entertaining i i just think like i don't really know anybody who's like their own home's flight attendant and is like hauling around a cart Of like four year old Kahlua to your house guests, and like literally that contains, it's like if it's breakable, it's on your bar cart. We've got liquor bottles, we've got glassware, maybe crystal, and to that to make that piece of furniture mobile to me has never really made a ton of sense. And also, most of us that have bar cards, it's probably because we don't have like built ins or like a broader bar. And you know, I think your guests can manage the ten foot dash to the regular bar where you don't have to. <laughs> scuttle <laughs> your little gilded target number over to them to simply ask if they want like red or white or bourbon because anything else is too hard to make like i love you but our friendship like ends at me muddling something like that's what's also funny to me is we have so much stuff that we never use and like all, the entirety so many aspects of decorating a home of 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 combining homes with your significant other is like this assumption that like you need things just in case like or in case you entertain and I don't have the luxury of living around family I'm a transplant in a different city Uh, truly to go to opt for my apartment over one of the many wonderful restaurants in Chicago is a dark thing that I don't like to put a lot of people through because I really can't offer them much other than like the who's who of Trader Joe's appetizers and I think it's pretty clear I didn't make these mac and cheese balls and and you know pigs in a blanket from scratch because for some godforsaken reason trader joe's pigs in a blanket are in like a freaking pastry puff that sells me out every time i just want to soar buy things with love and i feel like sometimes their items are getting a little too obvious and i just need to be able to play them off as if i if if i cooked them myself but on our bar we okay i just want i took a gander We've all the usual suspects. I have a bottle of Bombay Sapphire gin because that Tiffany blue is chic as hell. And I never drink gin. We've roughly four to six sticky bottles of bitters. We probably got like a stocking stuffer from some gift list that was like, you know, holiday gifts for him. And it's always like booze, beard shaving, dop kit, leather catch always with his initials, because what man doesn't love everything monogrammed? Like what? Like, no, I don't. Greg does not care. We have um, a bottle of Burnett's Sweet Tea Vodka lodged in the back because Greg finds it. I believe the word he used is gauche. I do love Sweet Tea Vodka Lemonade. I live for John Daly. I hate vodka. I won't go anywhere near it unless it is in that format. Why I chose Burnett's is perhaps the best metaphor for my current life situation that you can find. We have some uh, Whistle Pig, which is like some artisanal whiskey or bourbon or something that I probably bought for Greg because, gee... Um, meaning Emily Schumann from Cupcakes and Cashmere's husband, G off or Jeff. His name is Jeff, but it's spelled Jeff, like uh, Jeffrey the giraffe from Toys R Us. Um, she probably bought it for him, and I probably thought, well, like maybe if I get Greg this too, like he'll take my photos and make me a six step pour over coffee in the morning, but hasn't happened yet. The thing is I shouldn't buy him alcohol. Like he has a full on collection of various bourbon whiskey scotch things that I don't know what they are, I don't drink them, and nor does he really but i don't know i am assuming it's something like a wine cellar or like a lot of them are in boxes which i find confusing it's always like mix something in a box it's like mix something or oh something or like lagavulin that's what ron swanson used to drink there's these like scotches that are pristine in their boxes and are roughly the age of someone that that could be a tiktok star right now and i assume it's like a beanie baby or an american girl doll and if it's like has the box and the tags are still attached it like retains its value Honestly, I don't really know. I don't buy things that I don't use. That that is a fascinating like personality trait that I think some people have in that they're able to savor. That, that that is not my jam. I am immediate satisfaction or bust. We have a couple decanters. One is a nice one I got as a gift that I use, you know, the one time a year I have people over mostly because I am uh, putting, you know, high-end boxed wine in the decanter because i'm a lady and i allow my wines to breathe before my guests come over <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but really you know if you're serving wine in a large amount there's really high quality boxed wines it's a great way to not have air enter the wine it's much more easier to handle than like a magnum bottle or something in a larger quantity and i am all for the box wine some people are put off by the display no big deal before they come you put it in a, de- in a decanter all of a sudden they're like am I in Italy this is amazing I have a carafe to myself it's it's uh really one of my best party tricks but I also have one that's I got in colonial Williamsburg it's a canter, and you turn it over and it has like some name on it and it's from the early 1930s and I can't really clean it very well and I think it's like post prohibition something and it's like really cool and antique, but I also like maybe low-key as diphtheria I, I I don't know I just like to look at it but You know, I read on Pinterest that it's good to have a couple, you know, decanters. You have glassware. You have a real who's who of uh, liquor, liqueurs, cordials, and the like. Uh, We have um, St. Germain because there was a phase where I felt fancy as hell topping somebody's Prosecco with elderflower liqueur, and now the top's so sticky I can't get it off, but it's gorgeous, so I'm going to keep it there. We have a lot of, like, are they called cordials? Like things you mix with things like vermouth and triple sec? But I haven't touched him ever since I was widely shamed on Instagram because I used to do margarita Thursdays. The only um, hard liquor I consistently drink, and actually don't really that much anymore, is tequila. Because when I'm not, you know, doing the carb thing, I'll try to skew tequila. And like you guys know, I love margaritas. Um, but I posted my margarita recipe once and mentioned to use like triple sec. And people were like shocked, appalled, disgusted that I don't use Contro. And I was like, OK, sorry that I don't want to like spend a ton of money on like an ingredient. I'd rather focus on the main event. Anyways, neither here nor there. I think one of my dream sponsorships is like Tahine, is the chili lime salt that I love and like Casamigos, you know, like I it just it's like I need to figure out how to get in with a tequila brand even though like my brand and vibe doesn't necessarily suggest how much i love margaritas and the like it's like jen lake and i were talking about it's like i have so many things i like and use constantly that i promote you for free there's no way for people to know that unless i had like a margarita fan account which that's just like a little sad you know it would have to be like a pun hybrid pop culture account it would be like M- M- margarita aura Or, like, Margarita Wilson. Like, no, no one named, there aren't any Rita's that I really. (laughs) I was thinking Rita Perlman now. Her name's Ray Perlman, the mom from Matilda. I wonder if Ray Perlman has a fan account. Honestly, she deserves one. (laughs) Let's see, what else do I have? I have random boxes uh, trying to make things look cute and hold things up. I have enough tea lights for a freaking vigil. I don't know what I'm doing here. I have a lot of corks. I think at one point I was like, "Oh, fun! I'm getting married soon. We'll make these into name cards." I actually don't. I use my bar cart for my printer now, and this is like my actual bar bar. But these are the things that were on my bar cart uh, at one point or another. You know, at one point I had a like I had a vintage map. Somebody told me that I, like somebody on Pinterest, literally a blogger, was like, "It would really behoove you to have something living, like a plant, and a vintage map." so as to change up the bottles and glassware on your bar cart for a more balanced aesthetic. The fact that I was ever reading an article about how to balance my bar cart aesthetic shows me that, uh, times are pretty good. I would, n- <laughs> I would never ever click on that now. I have bigger fish to fry. I have a young son now named Tugboat who tortures me, and he is just not here for any leisure that does not involve rubbing his belly uh what else do we have there's a thing for shots shaped like an hourglass we have a martini shaker we have like sorts of long spoons paper straws we have like a mortar and pestle a muddler again like if you are coming over to my house and you think i have fresh mint, you don't know me at all so you shouldn't come i i I just think the bar card is a metaphor for like not who we are but who we want to be and that's why it's so great like we want to be entertainers we want to be great hosts we want to be you know, Don Draper making cocktails after a long day of work and, you know, sitting down with our side parts and our, you know, drop crotch dress pants and saying things like toots. Uh, you know, we want to make others artisanal cocktails. We we, we want to be able to offer a guest whatever they want because we have it all just in case. But the thing is, we don't have paper towels like I, I at my Christmas tree is still up. Like, I don't have absolutely anything <laughs> together that I would n- normally need to, like, function or have guests over in my life. But should they ask me for, like, a Tom Collins or, like, a last-minute Harvey Wallbanger? Like, you know, g- haven't made Greg a hot meal in weeks, but absolutely I can make that super specific drink using a very unique Italian liqueur that I happen to have for Lord knows what reason. We just hang on to things, like housewarmings. We, we have, like, a bottle of hypnotic. Like, I don't, I don't even know. Every time we go to a housewarming... I try to just like sneak over like a three quarter open bottle of liquor. I don't want them. I won't drink them. And frankly, they're better used on someone else's bar. It's kind of become a game at this point. I think it's fun to look at your bar and think, huh, how'd that get there and move on? It's like in, um, you know, the Gilmore Girls, uh, Finn and the other dude from the Life and Death Brigade, Logan Hansberger's best friends. They would steal things everywhere they went. I, I try to like bring shit from my house everywhere I go. I want less stuff. If, especially if you like are into booze, like have it all. We have the people have left the weirdest stuff behind at our place. And, uh, but one bottle of random fruit schnapps away from just, I'm going to schnap because I just, they're all sticky and they're all old and I don't get how liquor never goes bad. And, uh, I don't know, guys, I just think, I think these things are small, us having the ability to be prepared in case somebody comes over to impress them is just such, so representative to me of something it's charming about us all and that we want to impress people. It's also incredibly shallow of us all that we care. Uh, <laughs> but it's kind of the whole, uh, you know, we we want to be good hosts. We want people to feel welcome in our home. And that's an important thing. And like you guys probably have people over a lot more than I do and maybe make a few more Harvey, Harvey wall bangers than me. But, you know, I think it's nice knowing that somebody could walk into my home and simply look at my bar cart and get an idea for who I am as a person. because. Between the, you know, geometric terrariums, the assortment of various liqueurs of of astonishingly wide ranges of price points to the wine corks to the decorative golden skull that is there not at Halloween time. But I want to show that I'm both edgy and expected. Um, You know, it all kind of paints a picture of who we are as a couple and who we are as a couple are people that are ready and willing to entertain and whose bar is all dressed up with nowhere to go. And, you know, this episode inspires me to maybe have people over a little bit more. But I'm curious if you have kind of a similar situation where somehow over time you've stocked this incredibly dense collection of different items that you yourselves never use because you don't like to mix a cocktail. I I don't I don't mix a martini and none of it like I just. And also, I think, too, having too many bad experiences with vodka in my youth, because that was like the token alcohol was like calories, like, you know, mix it with something diet, like ugh, put it in a Gatorade bottle and take it out. So you didn't have to buy, buy booze. And I got sick of it so many times, but also it's like, for me, the, the official mascot of me um, saying really weird stuff to you and forgetting about it. You know, I feel like every time I've woken up, i been like that got weird fast. I was having some sort of vodka drink. I, I just feel like it, it, it takes the edge off to a place where I have no boundaries. I am a malleable sphere. I need some edges and walls in order to conduct human conversation, but no, if I have hard liquor, I become the blob in heavyweights. And I am just like, jump into me, crash into me my very loose edges and boundaries, and just absolutely engulf you. and we'll we'll have a heart heart in the corner all night until we are just full on capsized in waterworks. and it's tough being me. I just like to really get in intense conversations when drinking. And it's something I'm really trying to work on. But I think what's funny, it, it that obsession with like decorating to entertain is, yeah, it's a tale as old as time. I guess that I don't know if it's my specific situation. I don't, I, I, we never entertain, <laughs> like ever, ever, ever. And I wish I had friends who like to. Because I think in theory, it's fun. Like if you had a pizza oven, like I don't even care who you are, where you're from, what you did, as long as you make me pizza. I've, I, I I love sitting in another person's home, trying their wine, eating their cooking. Like it's kind of like going out to eat. Like I think if I had more confidence in who I was as like a cook or a host, I'd be into it. But then also like there had to be people to come. My mom and sister are like brilliant hostesses and I will never hold a candle to anything close to them. They are the queens of always being prepared just in case they just like have a casserole whipped up just in case. I'm like at no part of my day, I'm like I'm like squeezing things up to like the the absolute brim to the point where I'm always running behind. Like I just never sit down and think, you know, I'm worried people are going to be hungry later. Let me whip up a casserole. It's just not it's not built in me you know and i and i really resent that and i wish i had that in me but anyway that's a story for a different day but i think what's an interesting example of like obsession with entertainment nation that really rubbed off on me thinking i'd be this person was freaking house hunters which you know it's nexus in the late 90s is a big reason why we were faced with you know the the old world beige tastic padded toilet madness that was the 90s and 2000s, in trying to only design your home surrounding luxury, perception of luxury and retail value. And, and still in house hunters to this day, the they're like young couples, all they talk about, well, A is paint color, which is maddening because it's changeable. But B is like, this will be great for entertaining, this open concept. Oh, I love the bar looks into the kitchen. People can watch me cooking. You know what a person that can't cook, what, what their nightmare is? people watching me cook. I don't want people to see what knife I'm using for what and if I rinse it or wash it well enough. I don't want people to see that I can't clean while I cook. I don't want people to see how flustered I am trying to scroll through my phone and read a recipe, but the automatic lock screen keeps going on, resulting in me getting bolognese sauce stuck in the home button and you know meanwhile I'm like screaming at Greg asking him to remind me if I have apple care. I don't I don't like to I don't get how people can gracefully cook and talk. And therefore, if I had company, and if I was cooking, I'd be like, get your ass out of the kitchen and go, you know, park near my gallery wall that I effectively had to get a mechanical engineering degree to even assemble. You know, I always think it's funny when um, like those shows too. a long time ago on the podcast, I said I've always wanted to go on House Hunters and be like, say the opposite of what everyone else says. And it was met with some controversy because my argument was like. Everyone's like, oh my God, the wood floors. I love the wood floors. And it's like, no shit. Who does anybody go in there and be like, oh my God, like my loins are burning, wall-to-wall carpeting? Like, no, of course not. Who, who's who's going, you know, to meet with the realtor and is like, I want a choppy floor plan? Like the more rooms, the better. I want one door to slam because a small gust of wind blew another door shut. And I want every door in the home to 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 be poltergeist levels of noisy and difficult to navigate. Like nobody wants that. But I was told by several that actually a lot of older homes that are choppier floor plans are more desirable for kids. So they're not all up in your grill, which I understand. Some people really like carpet. I get it for the upstairs, but I don't know. I just don't see myself being like, oh, my God, to wall beige, semi-soiled carpet. I've wanted this ever since I drew the split level card in the game of life. $40,000 deed from (laughs) like fault line realty remember that split level it was like the worst house it was lower than a mobile home because it like recently got hit by a earthquake (laughs) that split level really i think about it often if that and dare the junkie behind like the school smoking dope it's like you see these cartoonish examples of what you don't want your life turn out to be and they just get burned in your brain oh not okay now i remember the context i talked about hgtv on the podcast once because i saw. A YouTube video of Jade Tanner Roper, Jade Roper Tanner. No, Tanner's her last name. Tanner Tolbert. These names are strange. <laughs> a lot of hard R's, hard O's. Roger. Um. Anyway, they were doing a home tour. They're like Kansas City, this like palatial new construction, and it was like the title of the YouTube video should have been like Captain Obvious's new home build because they were like. We just really like thought it'd be amazing if we could see the living room from the kitchen. And I was like, wow, it's just like, you know, those things where you hear the same thing over and over. And as if no one's ever said it before, I don't know, home tours make me laugh in this way. Um, But what was I talking about? Oh, bar carts. Yeah. Functionless decor. You don't use their wheels. Um, No, like I have a huge ass ladder in my home is it for climbing god no am i a stock person at an old timey library trying to find some dusty first editions off my top shelf no absolutely not i only keep four books in my house they're on my coffee table one is called ranch and it's a book about you guessed it ranch the dressing not the one story home nor the western uh, terrain of the show hey dude I also have a book called Eat Like a Gilmore. Self-explanatory. I also have a book called Wine Folly. I like to spend my days getting lost in the chemical structure of highly tannic reds in southeast Umbria. And, uh, did I say I have three books or four books? Oh, my fourth book, I do believe, is my own, about my own wedding that I made myself on Shutterfly, because those are my four interests, but... No, my my ladder is for it's for it's for hanging throw blankets it it sits there i it it doesn't do anything i I have a distressed persian slash maybe oriental rug slash i'm worried those two are politically incorrect rug names as i just said that but they're laid delicately across my floor and no they're not distressed because they're vintage they're distressed because some like employee at wayfair and paramus probably like doused them in acid i have like so much millennial home decor i don't even know where to start like well okay i think moving in together is like a very comical thing um we mostly got new stuff because my stuff was very shabby chic and his was very like black leather you know how that goes um and uh we met in the middle and by middle i mean mid-century modern because that's the phase i was in during the mid-2010s and it's kind of like yeah i mean am i a feminist you betcha but you know do i want my home to have that like Eisenhower's Je ne sais quoi of the nineteen fifties, it makes you ask yourself like, huh, can women vote? Like, are, are are we making Eiffel chairs out of plastic because of postwar minimalism? Or like what, what's what's the deal here? I mean obviously no women can vote as of nineteen twenty, but in the fifties we were largely not accepted into the workplace, only functionally when they needed us during the war, and then the Equal Pay Act I don't think was passed until sixty three. Fifties, not a great time for women, but unfortunately a great time for furniture. So what's a girl to do? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I am. Or like ghost chairs always make me laugh. I actually never bought ghost chairs, but those were like the hottest thing. They're like plastic, invisible chairs and coffee tables and stuff. And it's just like, uh, it's paying like $200 plus for a piece of furniture that's literally invisible. (laughs) It's the most millennial thing ever. And it's uncomfortable. But then the dilemma there with ghost chairs, you know, I guess like I just have a complicated relationship with ghosts. I feel like, you know, the pervy YM magazines I was reading when I was a tween paired with the mega hotties and ghost adjacent films made me, you know, not hate sitting on a ghost chair, if you know what I mean. And that sounds gross because (laughs) I was like a kid. But, you know. When it comes to mega hotties of the 90s, I look no further than two people I could see right through, which are Devin Sawa in Casper and Thackeray Banks from Hocus Pocus. Now, one, a boy that died of pneumonia and one, a black cat with a colonial swag about him. It's really hard to choose between the two. But needless to say, I have a complicated relationship with uh, sexy ghosts. And as a result, do not hate a ghost chair, as Casper told us seeing is believing which is the direct opposite of what judy in tim allen's the santa claus with an e told us which is believing is seeing and i remember as a kid being like wow those are two opposing ideals and i do not know which way i swing <laughs> such confusing such confusing experiences with those ghosts in the 90s anywho uh what else oh yeah i was talking about gallery walls earlier i i literally every i've moved a lot if you listen to this, listen to this podcast you know i've moved a lot I've spent everywhere I've lived a full three-day weekend. Like, I I have to post up and not do anything for Columbus Day or whatever. Because I have to assemble and hang and design a gallery wall. And it's it's a big ask. And I think it's something we've all done. And it's not just the sizes and the proportions and, you know, the mats and all of that. That's like a fortune. And you have to, like, somehow anticipate what you want it to look like before you buy it. You then have to have like an artful mixture of all the different types of photos. And then you need like family and friend shots that, you know, just like Jessica Andrews song we've been talking about, you know, I am Rosemary's granddaughter, spitting image of my father. When the day is done, my mom is still my biggest fan. Sometimes I'm clueless and I'm clumsy, but I've got friends that love me. We want our, we want our gallery walls to partially really express the essence of Jessica Andrews hit song, Who I Am. But we also really need to have a lot of candid moments with just us or with you know, our significant other, or really remind you of like the little unposed moments in life where no one's watching. But like, by that I mean the sixth or seventh photo I made Greg take of me, like looking off into the distance and like the Amalfi Coast or something. So people who see the photo know I was like too preoccupied with my surroundings to care about the photo. And perhaps it's my wanderlust that gives me such natural, approachable beauty that I have in the photo. But it is very much strongly orchestrated with the intent of ending up on a gallery wall. I do have this photo. I will find it. You need different photos too per the wanderlust thing you you need like travel photos of locations that say like like we we value experiences and not things you know like amongst all your expensive things that suggest otherwise but um you can't have something cliche like an eiffel tower photo or like you know one with a sedated tiger like that's you know you have to save that for your bumble profile to show you're adventurous but also incredibly insensitive to Animals. I, I think your travel photos need to be of like street art or like a graffiti laden alley, so people, you know, know that you like to stay in up and coming areas. You know, you, you like to tell them things like how you prefer to travel like a local, and you know, you you, you don't go to the cliche spots. You pretty much eat out of the sewer. You know, um <laughs> I just think everyone who travels like a local, they're like, yeah, you have to go to this like taco stand. It's disgusting, but like, I, I just feel like the descriptions are always like. Having to clarify that they're like small, undervisited, kind of gross, no frills, like no frills is the ultimate like cue for this place is a questionable health, you know, score. And uh, usually I'm down and I am all for off the beaten path, but I'm not always down for eating off the beaten Uh, just in terms of safety in a foreign country. You know, I think we've got to uh, pick our adventures there. Um, but like also on gallery walls, you almost need a like a meaningful quote or two that kind of sparks thought. Maybe like is like irreverent or like positive. You know, you see your usual suspects: your good vibes only. Your the best is yet to come. Or you know, there's some that if you're if if I was still single, I might throw up a well-behaved woman rarely make history and then incorrectly quote it to like Marilyn Monroe or Eleanor Roosevelt or something. Or perhaps that she designed a life she loved, watercolor. I mean, they're really the options are endless. I love an irreverent one, like do epic shit. And it's like, okie doke. I <laughs> don't know if I needed the curse word on my wall, but whatevs. I, I love to peruse Etsy for the wall art phrases. I think it's so interesting how much money people will pay for a few words, essentially. And I used to sell printouts on Etsy, and it's pretty, honestly, it's a great business model. Honestly, I love it all. I love a vintage mirror tray with various perfumes and a baize tea candle that i'm too poor to burn i bought it in paris but i've been too scared to burn it because it was like 60 or 70 euros i don't know how to pronounce it the b-a-i-e-s no clue of i love to like when uh you know how i was talking about with wedding coordinators they're like fun idea we're gonna use the bridesmaids bouquets for the drink table for the cocktail tables for the gift table and i'm like oh my god fun idea i kind of feel like bloggers have the same vibe of like fun idea use your empty million dollar candle jars as makeup brush holders and i'm like must be nice you can afford to burn your own candles you know brag much um sorry i think i'm still in a bad mood um, <laughs> that brings me into another arena i wanted to cover i talked about this i, I posted a patreon episode that i didn't put that i didn't air because it was like so random it's maybe worse than this and I talked about Chip and Joanna Gaines. And what's funny today is I asked about some topics you guys wanted to cover, the people that like answered correctly. And a lot of people did say this. A lot of it was about home day a lot of people said Chip and Joanna. And I don't know if it's because you listened to the Patreon one or because you didn't. I'll go through the high notes. I know not everybody's on Patreon. Um, and don't get me wrong. I, I think they are darling. But I think they started a movement that and my, my bottom line is I'm just not always sure that, you know, Joanna Gaines isn't our loss not because of who she is, she's a doll, but because of how she really inspired all of America, however metropolitan, to adopt farm culture. And not only did we do this in our homes, we did this at our weddings. We made people sit on haystacks. We made them potentially get ticks. We're putting people at risk by rebranding farms and barns in the forest as these magical, mystical places that need to be incorporated into these nice events or into our homes when I think in a post-recession world, we were simply trying to avoid venue fees. We are like, oh, that's a structure with a roof, kind of. No, oh, I love trees. I've seen Fern Gully and Avatar. Uh, you know, we are just trying to pick places that were a smidge dirty, call them rustic, save some dough, call it a day. Honestly, it's brilliant. But that brings me into the fixer-upper era. And part of this is taken from uh, an episode I never used. It's on Patreon, only like a couple minutes of it, though. And then I want to get into what I think is a funny aspect of, uh, how people perceive home decor. And I want to read, uh, from a really funny Facebook group thread, the things that people thought made people rich, um, as a kid, when you went into their houses. Cause like, it's like one of my favorite threads of all time. It'll round out our home decor discussion. This is a very random unforeseen episode. I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I hope you are too. You know, it's more clear than, uh, casper uh, Devin Sawa in ghost form is uh, a little company called clear which i am obsessed with and used on my way to nashville last week and can confirm it is the best i was going through rush hour through o'hare and i'm getting ahead of myself i'm too excited <laughs> basically clear is a, it's, it's a company that is moving toward a future of using you yourself as an id instead of a physical id card and there are separate lines for clear at airport sports venues, over 65 locations that allow you to get through security literally in a tap. It replaces the need for a physical ID card using your eyes and your fingertips to get you through security kind of with the philosophy that you yourself are the best ID out there. So there's the security clear has its own line and you have to still go through security like your bags get checked and all of that. Um, and it works in conjunction with TSA precheck because tSA precheck a is a separate line but B enables you to you know leave on your shoes and not take your laptop and liquids out and all that stuff. So it works in conjunction with TSA pre, but it pertains to the line getting to the point where you put your bags and stuff through security. so it clears a separate line with a tab of a finger, it scans your eyes, it recognizes who you are, and you go right to security. It saves a lot of time. it's super convenient. I was behind a a father and two like like twin kids. And instead of like fumbling with IDs and all the tickets and they were like restless, they just popped their fingers down and they were like good to go and went right up to security. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. This would be a huge time saver too. If you have children with clear too, if you're traveling with your family, up to three family members can be added at a discounted rate. And kids under 18 are free when you're traveling with the clear member. Um, and it's not just airports, by the way, it helps you get through security lines faster. And 65 plus airports and stadiums across the country, more are being added every day. And it's so easy to sign up. I did it online in under five minutes. And the next time I went to the airport, a lovely woman named Camry helped me at O'Hare. And it um, you takes your fingerprints, scans your eyes. You put in your information. It's super easy, super fast. You can go straight in the clear line. And it's the absolute best way to get through security. And again, it works great with PreCheck, too. So right now, listeners of Be There in 5 can get their first two months of clear for free if you go to clearme.com Be There in 5 and use code Be There in 5. That's dot E.com slash Be There and Five, how the show is spelled. So B-E-T-H-E-R-E-I-N-F-I-V-E, always the word, not the number five. And use code be there and five for your free two months of clear. So clearme.com slash be there and five. Five the word, not the number. And use code be there and five for your first two months of clear for free. We get into this fixer up a fixer upper era in the 2010s. And, you know, before the recession, we were in old world. We were t- Tuscan chic. In the good financial times, we try to, you know, go for for chic or aspirational in whatever degree that is for your taste. In tougher times, post-recession, we, we travel domestically. We staycation. And beyond that, we just try to find the best of what's around And it's typically something whose accommodations don't really meet our standards, but we're going to call it things like rustic and cozy and pretend we're fine with it. And similarly, in the recession, we were just like, all right, farm farm culture it is, you know, like, let's just get a bunch of old shit and, and pretend it's new and that we want it this way. And there was no, you know, arbiter of this movement greater than Joanna Gaines. And I do love Chip and JoJo. I did have a lot of issues with their memoir. They've done so many incredibly smart business, made so many incredibly smart business decisions and have pivoted. And the, the growth they've seen as their platform got bigger and the smart decisions they made to monetize in the right places and to grow in the right places is incredibly respectable. It's incredibly impressive. And they stayed together, seemed happy and built a family all the while. And yet all their memoir did was tell me about how God told them to do stuff and like made their decisions for them. And I'm like, great. But did, you know, God refinance your house? Like, can I just like be clear on a few things? Tell me what your like seed money was. Like, how much did you start with? I just have so many issues. It's not with people that are religious. It's that people... It's people that undermine their own active decision making in favor of something mystic. i I too believe in a lot of synchronicities and a lot in signs and all the things. Like I really do like a lot of that stuff. But if you're trying to give people helpful business advice, I do think it helps to be a little bit more agnostic in how you design a blueprint for your process. Otherwise, it makes people feel like, oh, well, God doesn't speak to me. Sucks to be me. You must be special. You know, and yeah, you can say, well, your walk with Christ isn't close enough. But also, you know, I as most Christ-like at water skiing, I think the Christ-like thing to do would be to give people more detailed step-by-step information because you're a badass businesswoman and we wanna know. Um, but like I just I got I, I don't know, I think I maybe made it a quarter, maybe halfway through the audiobook, <laughs> to be clear. And she just kept talking about how god told her to close her store and how that was like the thing that like spurred everything and that's that bias of hindsight i'm talking about is like in real time did you really think that i think in retrospect i can really see how things i can weave things together much more seamlessly and i can kind of qualify gut feelings as being something you know if it's more internal or more supernatural like whatever i just was really frustrated by that memoir anyway I think that as it relates to farm culture, farmhouse chic, shabby chic, the shiplap nation, guys, is it's it's kind of unbelievable. I go to I stay in a lot of Airbnbs and I don't know if Chip and Joanna influenced decor for Airbnbs, which also took off at the same time and like they were redecorating anyway. So why not, you know, kind of pander to what the masses are watching on TV or if this is how everyone's decorating their homes. But. Don't get me wrong. I, li- I rent, but I still have a barn door somehow. I mean, do, do I love uh, every time I want to, you know, get something out of the pantry or throw something in the trash, having to shove like 60 pounds of some alleged reclaimed gray wash wood that like I'm 99 percent sure is from the home goods. Uh, you know, it's not great. Is it cute? Sure. We have the quartz countertops like we have the whole song and dance. And I think it's really, really beautiful. I just don't know if it's going to stand the test of time. And I know there was a really serious period of time there where we all were like, yeah, Waco is home. We should move there. We should live there. That is where we belong. And, you know, if I can't get there myself, then the closest I can get is this livestock art. You know, I, I, I really I, I, I'm honestly hoping at this point that, you know, so many years looking at galvanized tin really all along was galvanizing us to move on to a different decor style, maybe separate from marquee letters for a bit. I love to sit on a reclaimed wagon bench, sure. I like like to play touch and go with a light splinter at any, you know, potluck dinner. I almost feel like entering 2020... It's like I can't put my finger on how I feel like design aesthetics are going to change. But what I do know from having recapped the decade is that post-recession, we really did everything in our power to make cheaper, less nice things seem glamorous and exciting. All of a sudden, we weren't eating in restaurants. No, God, no. Let's put food on a truck. That sounds like a safe and sanitary restaurant-grade kitchen to just, you know, buy some Partridge family van and call it a taco shop. We had our, you know, weddings in, I mean, weddings were barn central. Weddings... Weddings and Joanna Gaines, I both blame equally for farm culture. I've talked about some of this in my live shows, but, you know, perhaps the most offensive of all is how it was trendy to make your wedding guests at the ceremony sit on hay bales. A hay bale is where I bail. I'm not getting a tick at your wedding. If you want to talk about songs that didn't age well, I would look up Brad Paisley's Ticks. Too bad David Foster didn't look into this song, but... It's a very offensive song that did not age well about him examining you for ticks, And that is what would unfortunately happen because, you know, sorry to sell you out, Kelly. But when we were kids, we were at a pumpkin patch and Kelly did get a tick from a hay bale. And I've never sat on one since. Um, I think it's so funny that we rebranded the forest. We were like, yeah, let's just find, a you know, small clearance in a muddy wooded area, you know, reminiscent of the upside down and hang some chandeliers from you know some loose branches stick some chairs around and you know call ourselves a mystical forest when really it's just it's just the woods it's the good old-fashioned unclaimed woods between the highway and the the the, you know the subdivision I, i i think woods weddings are hilarious i like the idea if you're like in the great you know if you're among the sequoias or the redwoods or really i don't care live your life run the hidden pine trails of the forest taste the sunsweet berries of the earth i just you know you gotta make sure you have a rain plan it's convenient for guests it's, you know shoes are able to weather the terrain i read a few forest bridesmaid emails that just made me laugh it's just like i understand you want a mystical forest a la narnia but you know we're we're in the suburbs of philly honestly i blame forks washington so many magical things happened in the woods in the twi- twilight series i myself was taken and i i would sooner opt to have blood drawn by a vampire typically than spend more time than i needed to in the woods but i don't know all of a sudden i'm just like enamored with the pacific northwest and just w- want to roam through the the giant trees and hope i see somebody shapeshift in the distance is that what they called it when jacob would turn into a wolf or a human no phase he would phase <laughs> remember when he imprinted on a baby that was gross those those were real gross oh lord i do need to provide one quick psa about wood pallets because they actually can be very gross they like are notorious for having like chemicals and insects. They have bird droppings. Like they're so unsanitary. And meanwhile, people are like using them for like for like placemats. And I just I just can't. Long story short, in the 2020s, I want to move into a new era. I don't know what that era is, but all I know is that I'm trying to move away from the word shabby. I loved shabby chic most of my adolescence. That was kind of my decor vibe i loved the soft pinks i liked the florals i liked the distressed white woods i've gotten more modern as i've gotten older but it's not that i don't like that look it's just if you look up shabby like in the dictionary the the synonyms for it are just things that are just comically undesirable like we've we've it's like i hate that we've made cozy into like small and like that has a negative connotation because i think cozy is like everything i want in life whereas shabby we're like oh shabby when the synonyms for that are rundown neglected dilapidated ramshackle (laughs) tumble down dingy seedy slummy squalid sordid wretched miserable crummy scuzzy tacky grungy shambly beat up grotty and shacky so i challenge anybody The next time you go to buy yourself shabby furniture, ask yourself, if this was called, you know, ramshackle contemporary, would you be into it? If it was called slummy, crummy, scuzzy chic, (laughs) how would you feel? Literally, one of these synonyms is miserable. It is a Les Mis. I just think we deserve more. And by that, I mean, let's just reclaim home decor by not feeling like we have to rescue all of our furniture. I'm all for recycling, but I'm sorry. The wood palettes are gross. They just are. I love a farm table. I have one. I, I, I like elements of it. I love dark floors. I love the crisp whites. I love a bright kitchen. I love the dark hardware. I, you know, love glossy subway tile. I like a lot of aspects of farmhouse decor. I think it's kind of, for me, like in an, any an outfit or anything stylistically, it's better to incorporate pieces than to be on theme i guess is my point and you know i mean like i i, I can f with a mason jar I, I i like to store bacon fat you know in the rare occasion i can a jam i keep, keep chia seeds sometimes i drink water out of it i actually primarily use my mason jars for margaritas because the um the, the lips on the rim are perfect for a catch all of sorts for any sort of coarse or heavier salt you might have that would really slide off of a glass with a straight edge highly recommend i just don't really know if i need to be seeing them like made into chandeliers anymore you know i don't think that's what sia was swinging from when she was uh just holding on for tonight a, a mason jar chandelier is is old news i think you know I'll, i can i can handle vase now and again some of the home goods the cuter arrangements come in mason jars i'm not totally opposed but i do think we should pick one when it comes to burlap or lace we don't need both honestly i would love to hear from somebody who got married in the prime age of chevron i send my t's and p's to you if i got married in 2012 i would have chevroned everything the runners the invitations the i mean like truly it it was so hot then and i never saw that going out of style i'm sitting here looking at a chevron ottoman it's just really hard to know when we're looking at trends or not. And I really thought Champagne Chevron was here for the long haul. And God bless if your wedding was overtaken by it. I still honestly, in the right context, on the right bride or bridesmaids, I still don't hate a flower crown. I know we made a lot of fun of them because of the Coachella era. Um, also, LOL, I'm part of this influencer platform. And it was like, hey, let us know if you're going to Coachella for brand partnerships. And I said, yes, I'm not going to Coachella. I've never been to Coachella. I would I would die at Coachella. Can I wear a turtleneck at Coachella? Anyways, uh, here's to hoping that some random brand invites me to Coachella and I can take you along. Honestly, like, if I could pick one thing to go to, I wouldn't even be like Coachella. I Can I just, like, go to Stormy World? Like, can I just... I mean, that looks so fun. I also want to go to Stagecoach, because that's where all the hot goss, the prequel of Bachelor Summer Games and Bachelor in Paradise is going to happen. Oh, also, if you watch Love is Blind, Kelly and I are going to record after we watch the finale. Hopefully tomorrow night or Friday. I'm very sorry. It's just dependent on schedules. And um what was I talking about? Oh yeah, okay. I'm gonna get into uh some of the stuff from the Facebook group about what we thought meant somebody was rich about their house when we were younger. <laughs> after this brief message. You know the only time I'd really ever effectively sleep among the elements is if I were sleeping on a cloud. And with Buffy I actually am doing so. I have a cloud comforter by a company called Buffy that we've talked about before that I genuinely love. Buffy created the best comforter you'll ever sleep with. No joke. You can listen to my review, but they have over 17,000 five-star reviews and it's so soft. It's so fluffy. It keeps you at the perfect temperature so you feel cozy but not overheated. And I I wish I understood the science behind it, but my understanding is it's covered in this ultra-breathable eucalyptus fabric that not only is softer than cotton, so it soothes your skin, but also it's sustainable because eucalyptus uses 10 times less water than cotton to grow. And the fiber is produced using recyclable earth-friendly solvents. As you know, I am the allergy kid. So of course, I want to tell you it's hypoallergenic. Um, The high thread count shuts out dust and mold and mites for a healthier sleeping environment. And most impressive of all is how innovative this company is. I love that they kind of disrupting the bedding industry by realizing the impact it has on the environment and they make these comforters from 100% recycled water bottles and it's soft and it's comfortable and it's got all the things you need in bedding but also you can sleep tight knowing you're keeping approximately 50 bottles out of landfills and oceans and um, it's cruelty free they've recycled and reused over six million water bottles I think it's an incredible company and I just it's a product I genuinely like and I hope you guys will try it. So for $20 off your Buffy comforter, go to Buffy.co, B-U-F-F-Y dot C-O, enter code B there in 5 for $20 off your comforter. That's Buffy.co, enter code B there in 5 just how the show is spelled F-I-V-E, not the number five. Get $20 off. I hope you love it. Thank you so, so much to Buffy for supporting this show. Hitting up Facebook group threads for all of your genius. You know, it's funny. Part of today, like a lot of people are saying is, you know, you need co-hosts and guests for other perspectives. And like, I totally agree. Um, But that's why for the past four or five months, plus for anything that's like a broader topic, I will crowdsource. Like I actively read emails from Mormons that disagreed with stuff I said on the first episode. True Love Waits was all other people's stories. Uh, Sororities, all people's stories. Bridesmaids, all people's stories. I've really just want people to know how i try to be mindful of um providing a one-sided perspective and i try to be mindful of presenting a topic or an issue as just my own experience and i actively source info not because i have nothing to say but because i want people to hear it from you from a cross-section of individuals who listen to this show and it means a lot to me that um different points of view were represented and I tried to read a spectrum of light and dark and funny and serious and um anyways that just was the thing that I you know as much as I would love to provide as much uh diversity of, of opinion and background as I can since it is just me most of the time I have to rely kind of on people digitally and I'm that's why I'm so incredibly grateful to you that are generous and write in when I ask for something because it's kind of serves a bigger purpose. It's not just for kicks and, you know, even the ones I don't end up getting to read. It's just like so incredibly, I still read them and it's so incredibly helpful for me to understand where you're coming from, to understand different points of view. I've actively changed my mind on a lot of things from reading other people's perspectives before I say it on air. And um, I just want you to know how seriously I, I take all your opinions and how much I don't want this podcast to just be about my narrow privileged worldview which i'm very aware of i think the you know inevitable nature of this form like this format is it's my show and i speak from my experience but as much as i can take myself out of that i try to and would love to okay so this thread i thought was such a good idea that haley started in the be there in five facebook group and she said Listening to the latest episode when Kate starts talking about 90s and 2000s mansions and interior design, I started thinking about two things. What was something that was a total luxury and if a person had this, they were rich. Mine was if someone had front foyer staircase and a back kitchen staircase, which I agree with so wholeheartedly and I think is so funny. And then she also said, what other trends of the early 2000s interior decorating that you think are just got awful? Mine is that everyone's updated kitchen seemed to have this weird Tuscan vibe to it. I mean, to me, it's like the real housewives of OC, at least when it started, especially they were like primo new construction Tuscan, like Vicki Gunvelson's house was so that vibe. Um, one of my favorites was intercom systems, like literally in a normal person's home, like a normal sized home. An intercom system is like yelling at your brother to come downstairs for dinner. Like most homes you can like hear people's voice carry and in intercom systems they just like make me laugh because I never really saw anybody use them, but they were this kind of, I don't know, they were so chic. It's kind of like the vacuums you plugged directly into the wall and it just like sucks shit into the wall. The small details of homes back then, right? Um, when teenagers had their own phone lines, I mean, my God. Yeah swing set with cedar wood chips underneath <laughs> okay apparently cedar wood chips are expensive our swing set play set was like just on the grass but apparently if you have like a separate area underneath it you're rich af um i'm just kind of skimming through some of these that i feel like we haven't talked about before uh finished basement. i mean yeah a finished basement are you kidding like just an extra room with minimal parental supervision. Like, if you're a parent, you have a finished basement, and that basement has a door to the outside just ahead, so you're screwed. And just keep a close watch on those Mike's hards in the fridge. Because, well, in general, for me, second fridge was, like, hello, money bags, like Daddy Warbucks. I'm tap dancing. I think I'm going to like it here from Annie. You usually had like, Luigi's Italian ice in the second freezer and, like, fudge Um But... Yeah, I think that finished basements are a. It's, it just means it's like on the one hand, your kids' friends will probably hang out there. On the other hand, you you need to know people are like, you know, French kissing and like sneaking in boys and like definitely drinking Smirnoff Ices. Uh, somebody said it was our full house influence, a hundred percent. All I ever want is a basement with a red light when I'm recording my podcast. So like the rush hour renegades, I am unbothered. <laughs> uh sleigh beds and professionally painted wall murals in teenagers bedrooms i can't say i've ever seen a professionally painted wall mural on a teenager's bedroom unless one of your friends lived in like a romano's macaroni grill uh, <laughs> but that does sound fancy i my room was sponge painted is that impressive uh whose room wasn't sponge painted let's be honest sponge painting was so hot uh definitely the double stairs my aunt and i got a laundry chute and I thought that was bougie, honey. Oh, my God. Yeah. Laundry chute, Bougie as hell. Dumb waiter. Uh, are you at the Spy? Are you in a you know 19th century mansion? Like anything built with like a servant's quarters or means to get things up to people easier so they don't have to like move a muscle. Bougie as hell. I've lived in buildings without trash chutes, and it's a special place in hell. I have one now, and it's a luxury I will never, ever take for granted. Pools with built-in slides. Oh, my God. Hell, yeah. Built-in slides, uh, you know, uh, diving boards. I mean, I grew up in Virginia, which is this weird neutral pool territory. Depending on where you're from, everyone does or doesn't have a pool. If you had a pool where I grew up, it was the exception, not the rule. And we all hung out at the pool. So I'm wondering if, like, you're in Florida or California or Arizona or somewhere where just, like, everyone has a pool. Do you still all go hang out at the pool and, like, spend all of your soggy allowance dollars on like mentos and sun chips i just feel like i have fond memories of like crushing nesties and feeling self-conscious about my midsection and waiting for people to finish up their stupid game of sharks and because i freaking hate that game i don't want i don't want to play underwater tag i just want to like pretend to do underwater gymnastics routines and pretend I'm in a Pantene commercial because my hair looks gorgeous and flowy like it does on the Pantene commercials but only underwater I spread a rumor at my pool that they actually filmed those commercials underwater and everybody believed me because it is so believable I just wanted to like Martha Washington my hair do a couple like in the pool round off back handsprings call myself Dominique Mociano occasionally do an aerial arch back. Work on my handstands, call it a day. I was not here for pool games with large groups, especially not boys. Oh, God, no. The other thing is I had contacts when I was like 12, so I couldn't open my eyes in the pool. This cramps your style. This means you have to wear goggles. No summer romance of the century ever started over one party wearing goggles. I'm sorry. It just made me ineligible for all the bros. And uh, therefore, I just pretty much stayed out of the water for the most part. Oh my gosh, somebody said a zip line. One of my friends had a zip line and it was really fun, but it was right backed up to the elementary school and like people would come use it and it was a huge liability and like semi-dangerous. But you know, it's just it's really great that we just like trust the suburban dads of America with our lives who just like tie a string to a tree. We really should be more careful. <laughs> this person said four poster beds. Um, hello, yes, Samantha Parkington. Uh kids having their own phone lines. Having themed hand towels in the bathroom and guest bathroom, like Christmas towels, Valentine's Day, etc. The Kennedys respect the hell out of a holiday. We do have different towels. Uh, and you better believe when I graduated college and got my first job, those were the, some of the first things I bought. And then donated when I became a real grown-up in trash compactors. Oh my gosh. Uh, a member of my family got in big trouble because they had a party. And the trash compactor mysteriously broke. And when it was uh, uh, when it was being tended to, there was indeed a beer can in it. My older siblings, I'm sure on so many levels, they've been annoyed by my existence my entire life and still now. But, you know, I did play a very competitive sport that had took my parents away most weekends to play you know, in volleyball tournaments. And to that, I say, you're welcome, because I'm sure they had many a good time. Somebody mentioned two-story homes. Yeah, I think it depends where you grow up. Like a lot of areas are more ranch style, some places of two-story. I feel like I grew up in a place with predominantly two-story, but my shining stars were like Jack and well, private en suites. My God, can you imagine? But I'd I'd take a Jack and Jill. I'd go up that hill. I I loved a Jack and Jill bathroom. I was so impressed by two-story foyers where like, uh where, you know, you, the entire height of the house is in the entryway that seemed like bougie as hell to me. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people were saying the uh, ranches and split levels were more popular in their area, so two stories was like ballin. And trust me, as a now apartment dweller, <laughs> I most certainly agree. Uh, more commentary on switching on holiday decor. I feel so blessed that my mom uh, valued holidays so much. A couple of my friends' families had dishwashers with a separate drawer for cutlery. This is next-level shit to me as a kid. I actually don't even know if I've seen that. Funny. (sighs) People whose pantry had brand-name food, specifically Fruit by the Foot gushers and Lunchables. My mom is still all about that store brand to this day. Anyone with a pool, an intercom, a foyer staircase, bonus if it's curved, double staircases, flat light switches versus the regular ones. <laughs> Looked fancy to me. Big basements with big screen TVs. And for a hot minute, whoever had DSL. Wow, this was comprehensive and so accurate. Um, flat light switches, amazing. Dimmers, hot shit. So exciting. Have a few in my house. Don't mean to brag. Never use them. Like that they're there uh lunchables are the charcuterie of youth and i still will eat one on occasion i like the cold pizza ones i have a little bit of trouble with the rubbery ham but not above it there's a very specific taste of that combo of turkey cheese and a ritz cracker that just you know transports me back to being on a coach bus because i feel like field trips are maybe the only time i got lunchables it is funny i was a kid you like cannot deal with the private label you're like Kirkland what are you kidding me it's like you care about like quote-unquote brands but then I don't know it, it just it is weird how you notice those things and I don't know why it matters but I definitely did too like um Rite Aid's version of Coca-Cola is called Fizzle Pomp and it just felt a little on the nose and it's kind of like uh, I think their Dr Dr. Pepper's called Dr. Perky and you know I don't want to be a, uh, at a cookout with a flat Dr. Perky with the cap off, you know, at least let's have some respectable country time lemonade, one of the regulars. At times it just feels like, you know, you don't want to always be using the Kenneth Cole reaction version of whatever it is. You know, you want to feel like you're at least at a Michael Kors diffusion line, you know, back in the day, God forbid, it was a Dooney and Burke or something couture of the sort, like Marissa Cooper. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Somebody pointed out a pot filler. My parents now have one. I've used it. It's luxurious and thrilling. I don't make enough stuff with heavy pots for to affect my day-to-day life. But if you were cooking for a family and you had like large pots of water, I think it's awesome and functional. Oh, there's a 13 comment thread about people contemplating if they are worth it or not. My husband wants to put one of these above the dog bowls. Oh my God, Kelly, your husband's a genius. And I agree. I hate moving the dog bowl. Oh, my God. One of this girl said one of my BFFs was the rich kid in school, and he had a putty green, a movie theater with nine lazy boy recliners, a popcorn machine, and his bedroom was three times the size of mine. His neighbors had an elevator. His parents' master suite was the whole third floor. Oh, my God. Is he looking for friends? That's some next level like blank check shiz. I mean, what a dream. What a life i uh oh yeah we went over blank check v richie rich recently on the podcast but <laughs> a movie theater is epic for me it always came down to the birthday party your parents got a store-bought cake took it to the movies and we got claire's earrings as a party favor okay daddy warbucks <laughs> <laughs> uh, i love a good birthday party i i i love a i love like a sleepover makeover party where like Some serious investment was put into the accoutrements. I, you know, I I really appreciated a birthday party where I got to go to like hibachi or like the melting pot, like a fondue stitch, like very French, very chic. I like getting taken out to dinner. That is my weapon of choice um but as it relates to sleepovers as long as i got to see a movie that my parents wouldn't let me watch otherwise and i had somebody that would vow and i would make them sign a physical contract to you know be a part of the up all night club that if if breached we were done for good um but getting clear is the earrings is a party favorite damn that also assumes you all have pierced ears which i don't know about you guys but my family was the stephanie tanner persuasion of had to be a certain year old and i, th- I think i had to be 12 um you Went know, into the piercing pagoda at the mall. Uh, you know, all, all you know, of course, anytime you, you you break skin, you want it to be done by a, a, a stoned 19 year old professional at a mall kiosk. Um, <laughs> but uh, remember when Stephanie pierced her ears and they got infected and she was wearing that weird western outfit? I don't know which was more tragic the infection or the fringe. Uh, oh, somebody's talking about the central back. We actually had one growing up. I mean, don't get me wrong, I grew up in a very nice house. My <laughs> parents are wonderful and successful and i i i I say these memories not because like my frame of reference was like i lived like a pauper rather i think it's funny like especially in the instance of suburbia where you're all pretty much on the same page But some parents definitely spoil kids, buy certain toys, have certain features of houses that actually don't really are pretty nominal when you like are an adult and they're not that big of a deal. But as a kid, you think they're like the biggest freaking deal, because if your parents do a good job teaching you about money, you know, they want you to understand that things have value and they don't come easily. So I think the smallest thing like, you know, snacks or whatever I just thought it was like bougie as hell and was like so, so impressed and amazed. I respect my parents because they didn't get us like the easy, flashy toys we would have looked liked for two days that would have made us cool. But like, I feel like I had such a joyful, creative childhood because I had to create my own fun. And I a lot of times had to make things interesting. And I root a lot of my personality in that. I have the most wonderful parents. But like, yeah, we, we didn't have a power wheels or like a trampoline. I got a pogo stick once. That wasn't that exciting, especially because our driveway wasn't paved. I actually thought people with paved driveways were pretty bougie. We had rocks. It was hard to play basketball, but at least we had a hoop. I'm not complaining. I, I did like to play horse now and again. I dabbled. I dribbled rather. Um, but we, you know, I, I just the first time I went to my husband's house, I was like, what's happening? Like they had like go-karts, they had a trampoline, they had an above-ground pool, they had a basement they had like a volleyball court they could put up for graduation parties they had like it's like snowmobiles a boat they had every like toy imaginable that like i could ever want or dream of and i was just like oh my god like you're the house you're the people you're the people with the stuff he says it he went he's old like he's the oldest of four and he has three younger sisters who are all amazing by the way And um, he says that stuff all happened after he left for college, which is maybe true because I feel like I, I don't know, I'm the youngest and I definitely got the benefit of having looser rules and more fun stuff. But honestly, I also don't really see my husband like gleefully jumping on a trampoline. So (laughs) I don't even know if it would matter for him, but uh, it just makes me laugh that the the volume of activities at a person's disposal just like fascinates me. This person said formal living rooms. You have two living rooms. (laughs) I I feel like houses near where I grew up. Yes, we we had one. But my mom, like the formal living room, we couldn't we didn't go in. The furniture wasn't comfortable. And my mom would nap there. But she'd always said it's because it's the only room that was clean because we didn't use it. And I didn't understand that as a kid. But wow, do I understand that as an adult and bless her heart. Uh, Don't you like rethink everything about your parents i saw a shower thought on reddit that was like isn't it weird when you sit down and think about how when you were growing up that your parents were growing up too and it's kind of like a brain explosion moment of like wow you know you just always assume they have this authority and this knowledge of knowing exactly what to do but just like the rest of us now they're largely guessing and um to also like i'm such a tornado like i'm just not naturally clean and to think of like her like constantly my mom and dad like tr- picking up the space and me just like throwing stuff everywhere like i just feel so badly now i feel so differently now and i get why you would nap in the only clean room in the house <laughs> i lost my place shoot uh a wet bar oh my god yes a wet bar is so freaking fancy on another floor are you kidding even when I like look at apartments that have wet bars, it's like I would never use that second sink. But like, I just want to know it's there. Um, an ironing board that folded out of the wall. We have one of those this is actually awesome. Uh, ice machines that made those fancy clear little cubes. You're welcome for the ice machine, by the way. Uh, I posted that on Instagram stories. And every time I say that, people are like, huh, they think I'm Gretchen Wheater's toaster strudling it. There's an episode. I forget what it's called. But I talk about corporate icebreakers. And I talk about how my icebreaker is that my grandfather invented the ice maker. And it's like the ultimate, you know, it like knocks it out of the park because I, I hate the trust fall. I don't want to put an animal or an adjective in front of my name. I choke it to truth and a lie like there. There is no worse way to give people a first impression than to put you on the spot and try to make yourself sound absolutely fascinating with one like glittering fact and it didn't click until very late in life for me about this ice maker thing but then i realized people would think i was like bragging and it's the thing is he he the patent's under his name but he worked for a company that like holds it so like it's not like we have this fu ice maker money i'm just something he passed away two years ago something i'm proud of um but uh yeah anyway if you of you, you said ice makers and you know when in doubt when I always say, like, when if you're trying to create something, trying to add value to the world, and people are telling you the necessity is not there, I always think about him being told there was not a need for ice in the, in the American home in a refrigerator. I mean, truly, what would we do without it? My family is uh, hooked on ice. I mean, a lot of talk about having your own bathroom. Again, I don't need my own bathroom. I just need a Jack and Jill, or Jill and Jill, or a Jack and Jack. I don't care. I, I mean, perf- like, the preference isn't to share with a sibling, but... I just thought those were cool as hell. Uh, I also like all I wanted in life was a frickin window seat. I wanted to be Dor- Dorothy Jane Torkelson. I wanted to talk to the man on the moon. In retrospect, that was kind of weird. She was a little bit old to have an image, like an imaginary friend. Uh, but. I remember Minkus from Boy Meets World was on that show. Who's who was in Gone Girl, by the way. Very weird when you see all these people come full, full circle. And I, that theme song's one of the best ever. People say God looks out for the working man. Maybe I'll play it later. I don't know why, but I just really love the Torkelson's and the follow-up series Almost Home. Anyway, getting off track. Oh my god, this is so cute. So, so if somebody was talking about people with their own phone number or their own phone in their room, and somebody said they were convinced they had their own one-woman babysitter's club, she babysat for one family and made them call this number to request her and then they, when they'd call her parents' main line, she would answer and then ask to, that the family call her back at the correct number for the babysitters club. <laughs> That's how desperate parents are for childcare. That's really cute. Also, a couple of people have said, like, can we crowdsource like awful babysitting stories from like back in the day when people trusted eleven-year-olds to babysit? And like, I'll I try to tell babysitting stories, and like my my family insist that i never babysat it's like a running joke they say like i never worked i never babysat until like i had a normal job like at the cbk post you know when i was in high school but like i i honestly babysat a ton i don't have any crazy stories other than that like i just like wouldn't play i'd insist we watched a movie i was gonna watch i'd wait for the kid to go to bed pound fruit roll-ups rinse repeat um I always felt uncomfortable, like, when the dad would drive me home, not in any creepy way, but I just, like, had nothing that to, to, like, talk to them about, and, um, in retrospect, I'm, like, like, isn't that kind of weird, too? It's, like, you go out to a date, go out to a wedding, then you have to drive home the babysitter, like, I was 12, like, you've probably been drinking, you know? I think about all these logistics all the time. Anyway, my sister, honestly, f- forewent a social life in favor of babysitting. All Kelly did was babysit, like, pro like, all day every day i don't even under she <laughs> she loved it she was like a power babysitter it's quite fascinating i think people would maybe try me out once as a backup and be incredibly disappointed by the disparity in our services when i would just watch mary kate and ashley's you know double double toil and trouble and be like yo tony put a sock in and go to bed that to you know rewind to grandmother's house we go really make a marathon out of it Uh, the last time I babysat, I remember watching Kindergarten Cop Strange. I don't know why I remember that. This person said circular driveway out front. I mean, totally. It's like essentially Heather Dubrow's portico share. Well, this is my answer. Crap, I forgot I responded to this. I'm sure I just said a lot of this, but I'll read it. I said omg my favorite topic a foyer slash entryway where the ceiling is the top floor intercom systems finished basements with overstuffed sofas and minimal parental supervision huge vases with silk plants brass hardware when we got one of those thousand pound thick big screen tvs i cried this is true it was the best time of my life thank you dad um when oh one friend had a jukebox and i was like damn is this ashley's house or is this a ruby tuesday i loved that jukebox i thought refrigerators that blended in with cabinets were sick i still kind of do any sort of private bathroom, even Jack and Jill, because they didn't have to share with their younger brother, Jake. Luigi's, Luigi's Italian Ice is on reserve in the second garage fridge. <laughs> this is so specific. Pricier snacks like Gushers were appreciated in a walk-in pantry. Obviously, American Girl doll hospital evidence. A trampoline, a pool, power wheels, expensive and borderline dangerous outdoor hobby-related things. Honestly, I thought it was bougie AF when people's driveways were paved. Some people had, like, little fire lanterns on either side of their front door, and I thought those were top-notch cozy. Kitchen murals. I thought dark kitchens were rich, white kitchens were old. Powder rooms that have really dark wallpaper and a pedestal sink. Silk pillows with braided robe fringe. Those decorative gold thingies above lampshades. There used to be these fruit and flower arrangements people would place above their front door, and my mom told me once that they were expensive, so they became my North Star for friend scouting. Um. <laughs> Yes, I need to find a photo of that and I meant to post a pic in this thread um, because I don't know why they would be on these very specific houses in my neighborhood and I just remember trying to scout out who was coming from them at the bus stop. If a kid had a full or double bed as opposed to a twin single, you're telling me. Except I didn't hate a twin single like a day bed with a trundle because that meant we got to sleep in separate beds at a sleepover. I always struggled being self-conscious of like snoring or kicking or like I feel like kids would make per the sleepover convo. they'd be like, you said the weirdest thing in your sleep. You said you liked Josh. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And I just swear, like, people make stuff up. Honestly, after the sleepover thread, I'm like, oh, my God, we are all like make Daily Mail. Victim goes on Ellen level bullies. Like, we're all terrible. It sounds like two girls in the group knew a girl who had a walk in closet with stairs and a laundry chute. Damn. Oh my God, double front doors. Yes, lap up oh, luxury. Oh my God, a waterbed. Waterbeds were so cool. I have a vague memory of popping a waterbed when I was at preschool at a friend's house. I, just, I need to regress through that. I wonder why I just thought of that. Now we've gotten a water fight, but for some reason it involved a waterbed. Those things are not comfortable. Oh my gosh, any type of water filtration system. Built-in cabinet-type garbage cans. I still think that's fancy as hell. A canopy bed. A canopy bed. Yes. Canopy beds are so chic. It's very Ebenezer Scrooge a la Mickey's Christmas Carol. (laughs) You know, it's also like a funny thing. Like, I feel like rose art markers and crayons are like the android of school supplies. Like, is rose art still kicking? I always kind of felt like bummed out you know, using a dried up cherry red of a rose art that I know on a Crayola would be would be crisp with a, you know, a more full and steady flow as ever. It It's funny how those brands make it like, is wouldn't it be interesting to let's just like own a company that like you knew was second fiddle, like just like was not that great relative to the best in class? <laughs> no pun intended. I gotta go. It is so late. It's like two thirty in the morning another week another podcast that i just i don't know i'm losing my mind trying to be cool trying to not let things get in my head i hope you had fun on this episode there's so many stones left unturned as it relates to home decor but i had a good time i hope you don't mind me just kind of doing something that gave me joy today was a weird day even as the night fell i got even weirder feedback and uh we're gonna we'll 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 push through um If you haven't already, if they're still available, um, I am going to do a Boston show and an L.A. show uh, in alignment with Loverfest East and West. I feel like a lot of people are spending their hard-earned time and money to go to these. There's only, you know, a show on each coast or two shows on each coast, rather, instead of her going all over the country. Taylor Swift, of course. And I thought... It would be a really cool opportunity to stick myself somewhere in each of those cities around that time to not only do a show for that city, but for anybody that happens to be in town for Loverfest. So then at least it's like two birds. A lot of you live in markets that I would love to come see you in, but I probably wouldn't sell very well. Um, and I don't know, realistically, if I'll ever like do a broader tour. So I thought it would be really neat if I could catch some of you while you're in Boston or while you're in L.A., Boston's tickets go on sale today, seven oh five AM Eastern Time. Watch the man music video in the live stream. I'm stoked afterward. Grab a ticket if you want. Um, the shows are really fun. I do like drunk lecture style powerpoints, but I also do kind of like a monologue, sometimes a Q and A. It will you know, a lot of it will be Taylor Swift related, just given the crowd and the occasion, but not all of it and you will still feel like it's a regular podcast, even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan. So please don't let that deter you. I always try to achieve balance. It's kind of like in Nashville; i specialized a part of it, but broader was more in the spirit of the podcast as a whole. I don't want to alienate anybody. Um, so yeah, they're honestly just really fun, and it brings this podcast to life in a way that is bringing me great meaning to get to see your faces and talk to you guys more in depth. And I just think it'd be a fun way to like kick off and kind of pregame lover fest, which is going to be such a fun weekend. Both. We have tickets for the second day at each and then the show. So like the Boston show is July 30th, Thursday, eight Oh five at laugh Boston. You can get tickets at LaughBoston.com. Be there on five.com slash live. Look at my Insta story, LA we're announcing soon. Um, And it'll be the Friday before, actually, because Loverfest is on Saturday and Sunday, and we have Sunday tickets. So I'm so stoked. We're also, hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, announcing Dallas and Atlanta soon. Uh, Don't forget, I have a Richmond show, uh, The Short Bump Funny Bone, my old stomping ground across from the Arby's and CBK, where I spent the majority of my youth on St. Patrick's Day, my mom's favorite holiday. My whole family will be there. I'm so excited slash nervous for that. I don't know if anybody's going to understand my jokes, but fingers crossed. And um, yeah, it's so much fun trying to. It's funny, like once you kind of get in the circuit and your shows do well, I think the venues like talk and we've gotten to reach out to you more. And it's been a r- real honor and really cool. And I just like live to see these comedy clubs with like these full on male lineups. And then just like I squeeze myself in there and we chit chat about Pinterest and like it's honestly a true joy. It's a true take back the narrative moment because, you know, people make fun of our interests all the time, but we're the only ones that get to do that. And I want to be on the front lines of doing so. And I just kind of love the redefining of, um, you know, What women talk about in comedy, right? there's can be so much pandering to what dudes think is funny. And I just think there's so many experiential observational aspects of especially being a millennial woman that are so funny. And I just love going in these traditional old school venues. And I'm sure the people that work there are like, what the fuck are you talking about? And it brings me a lot of joy. And I love to wear my whimsy power suits and meet you guys. And like truly, I just I don't even know what I did to end up on a stage, but it's like the coolest effing thing ever. And I just hope you'll come to some of the shows um i know that a lot of people are doing shows now but honestly i think that in this disconnected world it makes a ton of sense to kind of loop back to something experiential and the best part is a lot of you guys have met each other through these in cities where you maybe are transplants don't have a lot of other friends a lot of people get nervous about going alone but i actually think a lot of people go to my shows alone because it's kind of the nature of like who we are, right? Like I go to pod, I went to Andy Cohen live alone. I go, I, go- I went to bitch sesh alone. Like I go to, I went to watch what crap Happens alone. I go to shows all alone all the time. And I think that's kind of the beauty of podcasts is they kind of thrive in that format. It's not something exclusive in the Facebook group. Let people know if you're going by yourself and there's definitely people that will set you up, invite you to things. It's just so much fun to see the broader community. And I love you guys so much. So um, thanks for listening to this episode. Thank you for being supportive amidst the demands for a co-host, shorter episodes, really me stopping talking altogether and uh, maybe just canceling the show overall. (laughs) I appreciate your support uh, more than you know, truly. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Next week's episode is um, actually a really fun conversation with Merit Beck about her experience with Deb Balls. And, uh, we talk more Royals, we talk sororities. It's a really fun conversation and merits the best. And it's so great for me to change it up now and again and have a guest. So I'm not talking to myself, um, to get a different perspective. She has such, you know, different life experiences and they're so fascinating and fascinating to hear about. And I also kind of wanted to wait and see what happens with Harry and Megan getting to keep the term Royal or not. Uh, so TBD on that and yeah. You guys are the absolute best. Reach out at podcast to be there in If There's anything you want to talk about. Follow up on join patreon.com slash be there in five for bonus content and leave five stars. Rate and review would mean the absolute world and help keep this podcast going for another uh, 99 episodes, I guess. Um, I'm going to send us off with We talked a lot about Jojo as in Joanna Gaines and as it relates to you know, all the JoJo's in this world. Sure, JoJo Gaines is great. So is JoJo Fletcher. I like her show about flipping Airbnbs with Jordan Rogers. Uh, JoJo Siwa, not my favorite. Sometimes I accidentally dress like her when I wear a sequence. It's tough. But above all else, I just want to fight for justice for D JoJo of too little too late fame and also get out parentheses leave fame who was stuck in a record contract that she could not sever and her her record company is kind of a lean rhyme situation didn't let her make any new music for over a decade and she's so freaking talented and when she the, these songs came out she was 13 and i just think you know a i want to support her b we need to tell everyone in our life who is you know telling us we're not good enough leading ladies and we need co-hosts really is that not a metaphor for everybody telling you you shouldn't be single I feel very triggered by people that suggest we can't do anything on our own. And to that, I say, fuck 'em, them. And I also say, leave parentheses, get out. So I hope you enjoy this song. And as always, <laughs> let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. Get-